But I want to tell you a bit about what's happening with our vision builders. We're going to give in just a minute. You've got a few different ways you can do that. But I want to just talk through this because we did our vision builders gala just a few weeks ago. And we talked about two commitments, two primary commitments. One would be that we would tithe. And I don't, I'm not married to the word tithe. I am married to the concept of giving. And I am married to the idea that God does desire for us to be generous people, open-handed people. And, and I find as I sit down with people, there's usually some kind of thing in the Bible, whether it be prayer or giving or serving or putting our hand to something that usually is a prescription for whatever we're dealing with. Uh, most often we look at giving different than we look at anything else we do in our spiritual life. When it comes to reading our Bible, when it comes to praying, we look at giving differently. We look at it as though it is some extra credit type thing. But I would actually say that giving, especially when you read it in the New Testament, the giving has always been a prescription to what we're worried about, frustrated about, or challenged by. In, in fact, most of the time giving has been an issue of what are you going to serve? How many of you know we, we, we can spend our life serving the money we make or the money we want to make or the money we desire to make or the money we wish we had? And, and, and giving for us is what puts money in, in its place. Uh, just like prayer puts worry in its place. Just like serving puts selfishness in its place. There are things God has put in our lives so that we can be people who put things in their place so that God remains where he belongs. That was good, and y'all didn't say anything. Come on now. We got a few people missing this morning. You got to bring it. Pastor Paul's going to preach. You better speak up, or he goes really long. But let me just, I just want to say this. I want to give you four things that we're giving to. Because our first commitment was tithing. But then on December 4th, we're taking a one-time offering. Normally, we do 12 months of this. And we'd go, let's commit to give over a certain amount of time. And, and that'd be great. But we're going to give a one-time offering. And, and, and really trying to raise money towards four key things. Four key things. If you could run the Vision Builders uh, slides. We, we've got four key things we want to talk about. Our first thing is uh, Beyond Sunday. This is, this is something where our culture is less and less limited by time in place, meaning you don't actually now have to have a TV to watch your TV. That's just weird, right? You don't actually have to be in your home, and you don't actually have to be there on a Monday night at 7 p.m. in front of your television to watch the show you want to watch. You can now be anywhere you want to be at any time you want to be there on your phone watching the show you really enjoy. And so much of our life now is becoming less and less about you better be there at this time and at this place for you to receive anything. And it would be such a, a missed opportunity for us as the church to continue to act like if you're not there Sunday morning at 1030, you will just not hear the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, I know part of that is you and I being the, that light in the darkness everywhere and anywhere we go. But part of that is also some tools that we use, whether it be social networks, whether it be videos that we make, whether it be things that we distribute. How many of you know, I, listen, we could post a 45-minute sermon online, but there is a good portion of you that will start it and never finish it. It's okay. It does not hurt my feelings because I don't even do that. In five minutes, I'm going, Brian, what the heck are you talking about? But we, you could watch 45 minutes. You could try, but you rarely would do that. Now, if you took a two-minute hit or a three-minute hit of a sermon or a two-minute hit or a three-minute hit on, on a topic of the day, whether it be an election or whether it be a social issue or whatever it might be, how many of you know you'll sit there and watch that? Two minutes? I got, okay, I got time for that. Three minutes? I got time for that. And so we want to be a church 
both creatively and, and with our resources and innovatively being people who are not limiting ourselves to just one day a week. Now, we value this. We value this so much, and we value our Wednesday night dinner parties so much. Those things are so important to us. But if we're trying to be people who reach people who may never actually walk in the doors of our church, we have to be people who creatively reach, who innovatively think about what it is we can do to reach people. And so we want to be people who are producing things and putting things together, and we're actually beginning to see a team come together that's going to make that happen. And I'm really excited about it. This is something that has really probably been at the forefront of my heart for a long time. So we're excited about that going beyond Sunday. The second thing is we want to launch our Fort Worth weekly service next year, sometime next year. And so we've got some ideas on when that would happen. A lot of that is contingent upon what we do here. But we want to launch our weekly service. Tonight we've got our monthly service, and that's been great. But real momentum doesn't happen once a month. And real growth doesn't happen once a month. And so for us, we've seen grace on what we're doing in full work, just as we've seen it here. But we want to see us be able to go into a venue and, and rent that out four times. How many of you know going from monthly to weekly in our services, it costs a little bit more money, Right? And we've seen, man, every time we've met down there, we've seen several visitors come through going, man, I've been looking for a place like this. I've been looking for a church, and we're gonna, I know we're going to see that again tonight. And I'm super excited about it. But I, I bring that up to say that there are still things that we need to do in Fort Worth and still be able to pay for and, and, and reach out for and, and go for because we believe there needs to be a church like this one in downtown. Amen? Amen? We have part of our mission and part of our reach. In a lot of ways, part of our outreach is making sure we've done what we can to be on every street and in every heart. The next thing is this. We want to we locate a, a kind of a, a headquarters. We want to have a place uh, that our city uses and we use. I've never really loved the idea of having a building that we use by ourselves and for ourselves and no one else can touch it. I've always thought it's, it's a shame when I drive by some massive buildings and there's 12 people in there because staff's there, but nobody else is there except for one day a week, Sunday morning or maybe on a Wednesday night. And I've always thought it was a shame that, that people who don't go to church uh, would never walk in that building. And I'd much rather have a place where on a Monday night for a karate class with their family or on a Wednesday night because of dance class or on a uh, Tuesday morning because we're teaching how to get a better job or how to do certain skills or, or, or on a Friday night because an event has, has rented our space. I would much rather have a place where people are walking into our church without realizing it's even our church. And then when you, they walk up on a Sunday morning because you've invited them and they see something happen there, then they go, well, I've already been there. It's not so scary anymore. It's not so strange. And not only that, I would love to be able to, to put our staff in the middle of this space on a Monday afternoon, and they'd be working alongside other people who are working on whatever God's called them to do, whether or not they recognize it as that. And we want to be a place that Monday through Saturday is just as effective as bringing people into the doors of the church uh, as we are on a Sunday. And so I'm excited about finding a place like that on top of the fact that we want to run our C3 college courses and we, we want to run our next steps and we want to be able to hire staff and put in that office space and be able to do some of those things. And, and so we're excited about that. And then the fourth thing, and this is one that, um, that, that this one's just fun. You got to have some fun stuff in there, right? This one's just fun. And that's our Take Courage van. And um, if I had my way, it'd be a VW. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but we, again... Monday through Saturday need to be just as effective as we are on Sunday. And so for us, this van, as much as it's a van, 
uh, is something that we saw another church do in Kansas City. Um, and on the side of theirs, it said something a little bit differently. But the idea was that they would drive uh, homeless people, they would drive clothes and blankets and food, and they would show up at schools and, and do uh, events, and they would drive through the city. And all the while, people would begin to see this message of take courage or hope is found or whatever it might be. And we want to be people who uh, have a, a something like this that we can take into a homeless shelter or we can take to an event like tonight and we can uh, or we can take to a school do an after school program or we can uh, take into uh, some dark places on a Friday night and just be there for people be there with waters and be there with clothes and be there with blankets and believe we just want to be there and all the while making sure that anyone else who sees it who doesn't think they're in need we can say take heart take courage because God's got more for you and, and, and so we really believe in these four things and we think these things matter and so the tithing goes towards some of that but really this one-time offering you guys did such an incredible job last year we we hit what you pledged we did I think if the percentage is right something like 90 to 95 percent of what you pledged last year you came through on that's that's amazing. That's incredible. I'm super thankful for that. You can see the update online. But this, this card here is an opportunity for you to make that commitment. Now, it's not on your chair. On December 4th, you can fill this out. If you want to fill this out ahead of time, we have some at our welcome area, and you can check that out. Um, but how many of you agree that those four things sound like a good idea? Yeah, Chris does. Two thumbs up. He's got a rating system. It's one or two or none. And, uh, he started with one, and then he went to two because he felt the pressure of my stare. And, um, and so, listen, I, I want you to be praying about this. We would never ask you to give something just because you think you're pressured to give. We want you to make sure that you're asking the Holy Spirit, you're asking the Lord, what is it that I should give? I think you should do the same with your tithe. I think that should be a regular thing, uh, that you should be asking God, should I be stepping in, leaning in a bit more? Should I be moving forward? And so I want to challenge you, encourage you to make this a priority and be thinking about those, praying about those, um, and, and being a part of that. Amen? Let me pray over our regular giving, then I'm going to introduce Pastor Paul Cole to come preach this morning. I'm excited. I'm ready. And I'm going to amen louder than any of y'all. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much. I thank you so much that you've given us giving as an opportunity to remind us who we actually serve. We serve you. Lord, we serve you. Lord, let us not be worried or frustrated or discouraged by what we have in our bank account, what we don't have in our bank account. God, let us be people who give regardless. Let us be people who give uh, because we love you and because ultimately what we want to see happen in people's lives and in our life is that you would be the name above every other name. And so we pray that as we give this now and as we move towards December 4th in two weeks, God, that we'd be prepared to lean in to step forward, and Lord, to give and go above and beyond our regular giving to see what you want to do come to pass. And we thank you for it. Bless it. Lord, I pray you bless every person here today. Lord, let their hearts be open, their eyes be open, their ears be open to what you want to speak to their hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Give it up for Pastor Paul Cole. Amen. All right, here we go. Thanks, John. You guys are awesome. Give the band a hand. You know, very cool stuff. And uh, I want to say again, happy birthday to Kendall. And um, so uh, every month is Kendall's birthday as far as we're concerned. Love, are you guys ready for a, a great word right here? 
Are you? All right. Olivia, this is awesome. Great to meet Bear. Good to meet you guys. I know you from Facebook, you know, so uh, great stuff. Hey, I want you to uh, get something to write down with. I've got some wisdom about freedom. Everybody say freedom. Everybody say wisdom. And uh, so I've got a couple things I want to share that I believe will bring wisdom uh, and some freedom into our lives in the coming uh, weeks. Here's what wisdom looks like. There's this 90-year-old guy is fishing, and a frog comes up and says, hey, kiss me. I turn into a beautiful princess, and we'll live happily ever after. 90-year-old guy goes, hey, I'm fishing, quiet. Frog says again, hey, if you'll kiss me, I turn into a beautiful princess, live happily ever after. Guy just ignores her. A few minutes later, the frog louder. Hey, I'm a princess. Kiss me. Turn it and uh, I'll live with you forever, happily ever after. Nine-year-old guy goes, whatever. A few minutes later, he gets up, takes the frog, puts it in his pocket. Frog in the pocket goes, hey, <laughs> if you kiss me, I turn into a princess. We'll live happily ever after. Nine-year-old fisherman goes, hey, I'm 90 years old. I'd rather have a talking frog. That's freedom. That's, that's wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. It's wisdom. The guy knew his place, knew what was up in his life. Wisdom. Thanksgiving week. I, I, it's amazing to me that Thanksgiving week, this amazing week that we celebrate some people who desired, I mean, people who came here, founded this country, had a desire to build a community of freedom where people were free to go after God. They actually were, were not living like getting beat up every day in Amsterdam and places like that. They just weren't free to worship the way they desired to worship. So they came here to do that, suffered tremendous hardships. And one of the first things they did, Jamestown, the, the founding of Jamestown, which be, the capital became Williamsburg, 1607. They erected a cross and they gathered and they thanked God for what was going to happen. And then they gathered and you all know the stories, you know, how they had Thanksgiving, had times together. But it's amazing to me that Thanksgiving, like, have you gotten emails that were like pre-Black Friday, like pre-pre-Black Friday Sunday? Right. Emails like punch here and it's pre-Wednesday Black Friday email thing. I love REI. I love being a member there because they're taking, like, they're closed Friday. Yeah. Come on, somebody. Well, good for you guys, you know. Hey, close Friday, go out, and then they open at maybe 4 a.m. Saturday. I don't know. You know, it's like midnight. But I love the, the fact that, um, that we have Thanksgiving. I love that whole thing. But it is the start of one of the most stressful periods in life. Total stress. And it's like, you know, this and that. We've got to do this, and we've got to buy this stuff, and we've got to do this. And, and then you see something on Instagram, and you go, oh, shoot, they got a bigger something than I did. How'd they get that? Or, you know, there's always somebody going, hey, look at, I bought 85 of these for like $8. And you're like, it's awesome. Stressful. Now, stress is normal to life, but I want to go through a couple things, if you will, sort of help us de-stress the situation. How many of us feel like stress just kind of jumps on us? You ever notice stress sneaks up on us? Right? Anybody? Come on. Am I the only guy that stress jumps on us? And 
So I was looking at, I thought, well, I'm going through Philippians. We're going to go to Philippians and read something Paul talked about. But I was looking at, so I thought, I wonder what other people are saying about dealing with stress. So I found this guy, he's a therapist. Apparently he's well-known, has a big following. There's all these people that watch, look. So he's got a 10-day solution to stress. Uh, This is awesome, man. 10 days, boom, no more stress. So I looked it up. Day one, this is a true story. Day one, eat chocolate. How many love this guy? How many, how many are in right now? So he's got like, he's got like, he's got like stuff like set your phone every 15 minutes to ding, and then every time it dings, you thank God for, or not thank God, it's like thank the higher power for your blessing or whatever. And I'm like, after a while, I'd be like upset. You know, it's stupid. Phone And then day five was, uh, this is great, it's called, quote-unquote, the intensely frustrating line meditation. We're not talking line dancing, we're talking standing in line. The intensely frustrating line meditation. And he has three questions that you're supposed to go through. What's going through my mind? Or maybe he whispered it, it was written. What's going through my mind? What sensations are there in my body? And what emotions and impulses am I aware of? And I'm looking at that, I'm thinking, what's going through my mind? I'm standing in line for 15 minutes, and the lady who was for 10 minutes is now at the front, and now she's getting her pocketbook out. Can I get an amen? Like, you couldn't get that out five minutes ago. And I was like, you know, that's number one. What sensations are there in my body? I'm 30 minutes behind. That's my sensation. What emotions and impulses am I aware of? I need chocolate. Come on, somebody, right? I'm like, okay. I'm not sure this is going to work. Romans 12.2 says there's a new way of thinking. Everybody say new way. It's a new way of thinking. Thank you, Bradley. I appreciate that, man. I love Bradley because he always, this is sidebar. Yes. So we're in, we're in Colorado, and, and Bradley's are with us, and, uh, and, I, and I'm speaking. There's about, I don't know, four or 500 guys from there. And we're right at this moment, it's just like, you know, I've got everybody, and I've been speaking for a while, and all the guys, we're all going to jump up and go, yes, like that. And at the very moment, as I said, and we're all going to say, and right at the end, like, Bradley in back goes, no. <laughs> all 400 guys are going, whoa, so you're like, anyway. So Romans 12, 2 says there's a new way of thinking, and here's, here's what it is. It's Lamentations, which says his mercies never fail. His mercies are what? New every morning, the Bible says. Every day we wake up, his mercies are new. You see, his, his mercy extends beyond his judgment. In fact, God's judgment only begins at the full exhaustion of his mercy. And the Bible says his mercies are never ending. Right? For you and I as followers of Christ, that's something for us to rest in. It's it's God's nature. Here's 2 Corinthians 12. It says, my grace is sufficient. Love that one. What does that mean? Sufficient means it's everything you need. We have, 1 Thessalonians says, we have everything we need to complete what we desire to do and what God placed us on earth to do. His grace, what's that? The empowering presence of God to enable the believer to live the Christian life. So that's why we are thankful. In the book of Acts, it says that 
and we study the church and the book of Acts is the story of the rise of the early church and it says that it says they gathered often and were thankful. It was the center of everything that happened. Thanksgiving is more than turkey and football. It's about God's mercy and grace. Turns the person next to you and say, this is going to be really good for you. It's going to be really good for you. All right, so here's a tough one. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ. Now, Paul the Apostle is writing this. He's been beaten. He's been hurt, abused, misunderstood, put in jail, out of jail, back in jail. And he writes this. He says, in all circumstances, be grateful, be thankful. He doesn't say be thankful for the circumstance. Can I get an amen? He says, in the middle of it, be thankful. Now here we are in Philippians. I want to go to chapter 4, if you can flip over there. And let's put this up on the screen. Now, this guy, Paul the Apostle, is in prison again. He's in a place, he's writing to a place called Philippi. He's, he's in prison, we're not sure, either in Ephesus or Rome. And uh, totally misunderstood and messed over. And he's writing a letter to a place he's been twice called Philippi. Philippi is this city in uh, northern Greece. It's the first city in Europe that's had a church. Now, this is not a city that had a background in things of God. It didn't have a synagogue. Didn't have, in fact, it was settled about 400 years before Christ. This guy named Philip started it. He was Alexander the Great's dad, which is why it's called Philippi. If you're a king, you get to name cities after yourself. So this guy does this. Philippi, and so here's this city. So now here's Paul. He started this church there. If you see in the book of Acts, you'll see a bunch of miracles happen. People begin to believe in, in Christ, and things begin to happen, and now a church starts up. But they're in the midst of a lot of stress. They're in the midst of a lot of turmoil, anxiety. They're concerned about stuff, not sure what they should do in that culture, how it's going to work, and and, and if you study that time period, there's a lot of shaking going on in the Greek-Roman world, and a lot of wars and stuff happening, and there's terrorists coming in from the east, and, and there's wars and rumors of wars. It sounds sort of like today, doesn't it? And so here's Philippi, and these people are concerned, and Paul realizes that. So he writes them a letter. We divided it up into chapters. It was just one letter. He writes them a letter about unity talks about, hey, don't be stressed out by stuff. He, he's talking to them about loving each other, about being in community. And now at the end of it, he says, okay, here's the deal. And he writes this. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Everybody say everything. everything. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace. Everybody say peace. Is peace better than stress? Yes. yes. Which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Go to the next one. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice. Everybody say practice. All you've learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. Now, here's what it says in the message. It says, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Most of us worry and then pray. 
He says, don't, don't worry about it. Pray over it. That doesn't mean there isn't stress. You can write this down. Stress is normal to life. Storms are normal to life. Okay, we'll go over this in just a minute. Stress is normal. He says, but pray about it. Shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, that's peace, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Remember, habits aren't broken. They're always displaced. In the same way that light displaces darkness. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'd do best by filling your minds and meditating on things that are true and noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse, put into practice. Everybody say practice again. What you learned from me, what you heard and saw and realized, do that in God who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmonies. I love that part right there, harmonies. There's something beautiful about that moment. All right, here we go, de-stressing. I'm going to give you a few points. You ready? Are you ready? All right, number one, de-stressing. This is not chocolate. You could put chocolate off to the side, and it'll work in every moment, but you need these things. Number one, fix your thoughts. In other words, it's about the Word of God. All right? Sense his love for you. I love, when Judy and I uh, first got married, and actually when we were first dating and, and would talk to each other on the phone, you know, say, I love you as we hang up, and then some, one of us would say back, I love you more. Oh, I love you more than that. Oh, I love you more. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Olivia, you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully you guys have had that conversation. I love you, I love you more, and I love you more. Hey, listen, here's the beauty of, of this season. Christmas is God saying, I love you more. Christmas is God saying, I, I love you more. Isn't that beautiful? That's the season we live in. He loves you more. See, the Bible's not an instruction manual for life. I've heard it described like that, and I, I'm okay with that. Here's the instructions for life. You know, Proverbs says that, but you know what it really is? It's the highest manifestation of God himself on the face of the earth. This is the presence of God, hearing these words. And so when you read this, what happens is you begin to fill your life, what Paul said, it begins to displace the negative and the positive and the things of God begin to displace that. Judy and I were, went through a really difficult time. Early in our marriage, we, I, you know, pursuing my career in media and television, we moved to Hartford, Connecticut. And uh, we're, we're living, and uh, things are going great. And then a bunch of stuff changed, and we needed to move back to the West Coast. And, and uh, God blessed us there when we did move back. But there was that really difficult moment, and we just knelt together and prayed, and we opened a Bible, and God gave us Psalm 46. And it's been one of our scriptures as a couple ever since. Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. Though the oceans are raging and the mountains shaking, I am God. And the Lord gave us that. And it wasn't just like, oh, hey, cool, a scripture I can put on my mirror. It was like something that went into our hearts, you know, and helped us through a difficult time. And then moving back to the West Coast and through a few months, and then all of a sudden, bam, in Los Angeles, here comes this opening, and the Lord's blessed us ever since in that area. 
But it was that. It became part of us. So number one, fix your thoughts on him. How do you do that? It's in the word of God. Number two, pray the word. Pray the word of God. Now, this morning, today's the 20th, so this morning I read Proverbs 20. And so I do that every day. I've done that for years and years. So read the proverb. That's called the book of wisdom. So Proverbs 20, it takes a couple minutes. Just get up in the morning, read that, bam, there's wisdom. So on the 21st, tomorrow you would read chapter 21. Because most of the ladies have said 21. The guys were like, uh, do I stay on 20 or go with the day of the month? Read Psalms at night for peace, you know, and then pray that word. Just begin to pray that, God, you know, here's the word you gave me. The Psalm, uh, Proverbs 20 has got some amazing things in it. And just begin to pray that. Father, I pray that over my family. Dear God, I, I pray that over my loved ones. I pray that over my life. Uh, Proverbs 17, the other day, I, I always joke about it because the last uh, scripture in Proverbs 17 says, even a fool is thought wise when he keeps his mouth shut. I'm like, dude, I like that one. I'm going to stay quiet more often. Can I get an amen? Turn to somebody and say, he's talking to you now. No, 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 don't do that. Be nice. I think that's Proverbs uh, 12. Be nice. Uh, and then number three. Number three, watch this. Quiet your life. Just quiet your life. Just We have so much stuff going on, you know, and there's social media and stuff. And, and then there's the, you know, all the news networks and there's just so much information. We have, you know, there's more information in a, in a Sunday New York Times in just one Sunday than the average person a couple hundred years ago had in 20 years. In 20 years, like that one, and that's just one of the papers. And then there's a bunch of them, right? And then there's a bunch of other stuff. Just quiet your life. Don't look at what you're going through. Look at what you're going to. Just lift your eyes. Get a little perspective. Here's, here's perspective. It's an email from a daughter. She's at school. She writes to her mom, Dear Mom, sorry I haven't written sooner. It's been a little manic, hard to type, with a broken arm. I broke it, tore my MCL when I jumped from the second floor of my dorm when we had the fire. But we were lucky. A guy at Starbucks saw the blaze, called the fire department. They were there in minutes. I was only in the hospital for a few days. Jeff, the guy from Starbucks, came to see me every day because of that. We got close, and he let me move in with him. He's such a nice guy, he'll make a great dad to the child we're having. Thought I needed to let you know we're hoping to get married just as soon as he gets a job and gets out of rehab. I hope things are good at home. I'll write more when I get a free moment. Your loving daughter, Jennifer. P.S. Mom, none of the above is true. But I failed out of one of my core classes, had to withdraw from another one. I just wanted you to have all of this in proper perspective. Uh, perspective. You know, we have so much to be thankful for, right? Paul's in prison. He says in 2 Corinthians, a church in Corinth, he wrote two letters to. He said, that's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, hardships, persecution. Because when I'm weak, then I'm strong. In other words, when I get smaller, he gets larger. Right? When, when I begin to not so depend on myself, I begin to depend on him. I'll tell you what's something, what defeats a thankful heart is looking at what others have rather than what you have. Israel's biggest issue was focusing on what they didn't have rather than rejoicing on what they did have. 
In other words, let me ask you something. If you did a list, like I'm going to pray for these things, and it was a list of what I need, and then here's a list of what I'm thankful for. How many of you know you could just do a I need list and just go keep going? But we need to take the thankful list and say, Lord, here's what I'm thankful for. Sort of like this. It's about growing up. It's, it's sort of like my, my little grandson, Grayson, right? You know, you take him, you walk him around, you feed him, you do all this stuff, and, and you rock him, and and change his diapers, and then you put him in a crib, and he starts crying. And so I, I saw, watch Brandon do this. He stood over and goes, hey, you ungrateful little baby. Look at all I've done for you. You don't do that, though, right? Why? Because he's a baby. But see, listen, so when we grow up, we're no longer babies. We're no longer childish, and we become grateful. It's a sign of maturity, to be full of thanksgiving. It's a sign of growing up, thanking God for his presence. We're not supposed to stay childish. All right, just a couple other little things. Uh, fourth point, and I, this is just a, a word for each one of us. Decrease your information intake. We carry a lot of problems that are not our problems to carry. If anybody knows that, chiropractor knows that, right? Our shoulder, we're carrying a lot of things that are not ours because we hear about it or we see it and we get all, all bummed out or messed up or this is happening, that's happening. You know what? Pray for them, but it's not yours to carry. Don't carry what's not yours. Pray, but don't carry it. And then fifth, be present in your day. Listen, I have a number of friends who still live in the victories of yesterday. They're still living there. <laughs> One friend is still, I mean, I saw him at our, uh, whatever number it was, high school reunion recently. And uh, he's like, dude, remember the game against Salinas? You know, I was like, I'm going like, yeah, that was like 47 years ago. He's still living there. You know what I'm saying? He's still living in that, like that, moment, and he's never really expanded his life beyond that. Now, past victories are great. They give us a basis for things, but don't live there. And listen, don't live in future fantasies. It's good to have dreams, but if you're going to have a dream, write this down. Put a date on it. A dream without a date is just a fantasy. Turn to somebody and say, that was good for you right there. So be present in your day. Live realistically. Six obstacles and trials are not proof that you're out of the will of God. Stress is normal. My friend uh, Tommy Sarodnik, who passed away a couple months ago, used to say it this way. He said, he said, if you're on a road with no obstacles, you're on the wrong road. Right? Obstacles are normal to life. So it, if you hit up against something, it doesn't mean you're out of the will of God. Moses is at the Red Sea. And a million people are screaming at him like, you idiot. Right? But he's, out, but he's in the will of God. The disciples hit storms, but they were in the will of God. Being in a storm, hitting obstacles, is not some sort of proof that you're out of the will of God. Seven, Instagram is not real life. Just, just wanted to say that. You know, later in Philippians 4, it says, I've learned the secret of living in every situation. He said, I'm content wherever I am. 
You only have to look at who the top Instagrammers are to realize it's not real life. It's the Kardashians and and the Biebs. <laughs> All right, number eight. All right, I only got 14 uh, more. So it's like, Brandon has six weeks to do a six-part series. I have 20 minutes. Okay, here we go. Christmas. Christmas. Number eight, Christmas. Listen to me. The size of your gift doesn't indicate the size of how much you love somebody. Size of the gift doesn't indicate the size of your love. Just love people. Just enjoy the music. Get in the moment. Appreciate it. How many of you have a how many have a tree up already? All right, we got some trees up. It's awesome. Love it. Enjoy the moment. Nine, stay connected to positive people. Dinner parties aren't just about hanging out. It's about being connected to what lifts your life, what builds you up. Tonight isn't just about, hey, it's art and a, and a great time together and music. It's really about being connected to the things that de-stress our lives. And then lastly is this. The Holy Spirit, and number 10 would be breathe. Just write down breathe. Just take a breath. <laughs> you know why it's really important? Here's, here's what's amazing. The Holy Spirit is actually called, in the Word of God, it's called the breath of God. Holy Spirit, his presence is called his breath. In John 20, there's this cool moment where Jesus is with his disciples. It's after he's resurrected. He's getting ready to leave and go back to heaven. And at that point, it says he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. We've got to have God's breath. We've got to, we've got to take a moment just to pause and breathe. Let's all stand up together. And then the Bible says, practice these things. Everybody say practice. Practice these things. In other words, do them over and then do them again. And then, and then when you mess up, do it again. And then we make mistakes, do it again. Practice it. Psalm 136. Here's the deal. God's not stressed out. All right? So when we receive his spirit, we receive a spirit of no stress. Now, what that does is balance our lives with the stress that's normal to life. Stress is, is actually sort of like a, a guitar. You know, the strings of a guitar, if they're not stressed enough, the music doesn't play well. If they're overstressed, it's out of tune. So there's a certain amount of stress that's healthy to life. I want you to say this, God's love never fails. Say it. God's love never fails. Now write this down, Psalm 136. So I'm going to read a little part of it, and we're all going to say God's love never fails. All right, everybody got that? Your part is God's love never fails. You got that? God's love never fails. All right. So this is cool. Psalm 136, it's a song, and uh, the reprise is always God's love never fails. It says, praise the Lord, he is good. Your part. God's love never fails. Praise the God of all gods. God's love never fails. Praise the Lord of lords. Only God works great miracles. With wisdom, he made the sky. The Lord stretched the earth over the ocean. He made the bright lights in the sky. He lets the sun rule each day. He lets the moon and stars rule each night. God's love never fails. And it goes on and on and on. You need to get that and just rehearse that. Get it into our mind and spirit. 
this, what is so stressful for some people, can be the most beautiful and should be one of the most special times of our life. Christmas is proof that God loves you more. Let's pray. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says if a person is in Christ, he's a new creation. It says the old things have passed away. The old stress-ridden life has passed away and a new life has begun. To really know and have this word be alive in you and be part of your life, you need to be connected with God through Jesus Christ. We're going to pray over that right now. We're going to pray over those of us who feel like, you know, I'm not really connected. I don't know where I got disconnected, but somehow I've been disconnected with God. The word doesn't come alive in my life. There might be somebody here today who would say, I, um, I don't know that I've ever actually connected with God. I want to live a de-stressed life, but I don't know how those scriptures come alive in my life. And so today, over the next few moments as we pray, and Pastor Brandon comes up and closes, we're going to pray this into our lives. Very simple moment. It's a it's a simple act of obedience that solves complex issues of life. Becoming a follower of Christ is basically saying, God, I I I trust you, and I trust what you did in sending your Son to save and change my life. Father, I thank you for this moment right now. As Pastor Brandon comes and prays, prays this simple prayer of obedience to follow you, that you would be first and foremost in our lives, and we would become everything you designed us to be. Come on, if that's you, would you just put your hands in the air? Come on, if that's you, and you'd say, that's, that's me. I, I fit in that category. I fit in that place. Well, we pray right now for every person who'd say, I want to put God where he belongs. It's hard. I'm, I'm walking through some things. I want to be thankful. I want to be able to be have gratitude and be gracious. And, but I pray right now that I would put you where you belong. For some of us for the very first time saying, God, I'm, I'm submitting my life to you. I'm surrendering all I am and everything I have to who you are. Because in you is wrapped up me. I discover who I am as I discover who you are. And so I pray that those of us who are struggling through some moments, we need peace and we need thanksgiving. And Lord, you said that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. That there's something that happens in us as we submit to you and as we allow your Spirit to work in us that produces something that cannot be affected by what is around me or what I'm walking through. And so I pray that there's something produced in us as we look to you and fix our eyes upon you. And those of us in here today who would say for the first time, or maybe for the first time in a long time, are saying, I'm giving my life to Jesus. He came and he died and he rose again. And there is only one thing that will eternally give us peace. We're, we're tired of the temporary peace, the peace that lasts through Tuesday. But then all of a sudden, stress comes back on Wednesday. But there's only one thing that can give us eternal, eternal peace. And that is the eternal gift of salvation, the eternal gift of life that comes because of Jesus' sacrifice, his death and his resurrection for us. Lord, you defeated death, and so we are not submitted to death. We are under your purpose and your rule. You rule in our hearts so that we can live in Christ, both now and forever. 
So I pray that kind of eternal perspective. I pray that kind of eternal outlook. I pray that kind of eternal shift in our lives would take place as we surrender ourselves to you. Lord, we thank you for it. But I pray you bless it. I pray that this day is an incredible day. I pray that this week is an incredible week. Lord, as we go through Thanksgiving, whether we have a lot of family here or not, Lord, I pray that we are able to look to you and be thankful wherever we are and whatever we're in so that we can begin to open our hearts and open our ears and open our eyes and open our lives to what you want to do as we remember what you've already done. We thank you for it, God. There is no one greater than you. Lord Jesus, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray.